At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. Hi, I'm Kristen McGlory, lifelong genius hunter. For a decade, I've been unearthing the recipes that have changed the way we cook. Now, on the Genius Recipe Tapes, we go behind the scenes with the geniuses themselves. This week, I sat down with Jesse Sparks, senior editor at Eater and host of the One Recipe podcast, a new show from the team behind The Splendid Table, in which Jesse interviews chefs, writers, and other people who love cooking about the one recipe that they always turn to and that they think everybody should know. So far, there's been everything from crispy tofu to umami pasta to matar paneer. In this episode, Jesse and I share a lot of laughs, and while it might sound like he and I have been friends for years, we just recently met when I was lucky enough to tell him about my one recipe. That episode will air soon over on the One Recipes feed, so look out for that. Later in this episode, we will get into why the concept for the show is so compelling to us as home cooks and what Jesse's own one recipe is. But first, here he is on how an early bonding experience with his mom continues to impact the work that he does today. When I was much younger, I think I was in maybe elementary school, my dad took my brother and sister on a trip and I was too young to go on it because it was like part of our church. It was like an age restricted thing. So I stayed home with my mom and she was like, well, we're going to make this fun. It'll be a staycation. It was like a week that we had together, just me and her. So we made all these plans for what we were going to make. We would watch Emeril. We would watch all these cooking shows and then we'd say, okay, we're going to make that. So one day Emeril was making like these rosemary steaks with um, like roasted garlic and this blue cheese herb butter. And we were like, oh, okay, yeah, this sounds great. We can do this. We're going to do this. So we went to H-E-B, which is a, a Texas chain grocery store, a wonderland full of just randomly aggressively Texas stuff, <laughs> freshly made tortillas, <laughs> like freshly baked loaves of bread. So we just scooped up all the ingredients, went back home and got to cooking. And it was, it was just really, really fun. And it was also enlightening because, you know, when you're a younger sibling, like I am, I'm the youngest of three, um, you really do kind of get stuck in thinking like, oh, all these cool things are for other people or they're for when I'm older or therefore, you know, when I'm in a different place. And I think that a lot of us get stuck in that mentality with cooking. We think it's for another time. We think it's for when we have the right kitchen, when we have exposed shelving, when we have nine sunroofs in our kitchen, you know? But really, it's all about just starting with what you have right now, having fun, and cooking alone or with someone else too. 
And ever since then, mm-hmm. that has become the recipe that my mom and I make anytime it's just the two of us. So if I'm popping really? in through town, yeah, we'll make the steaks. Um, and now we just refer to it as the steaks. <laughs> oh, yum. I was like a seven-year-old and got to have my own steak. And that felt like the world. Oh, wow. Like a steak bigger than my head. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> only something you do when you're on vacation with your mom and she's very relaxed. <laughs> That sounds so special. And I love that you you still remember it to this day and you still recreate it to this day. Oh, absolutely. Well, I know you've said that you grew up in a family that was kind of the big entertaining house and there were always people stopping by. Who was usually cooking and what were everyone's favorite dishes when people would stop by? Oh, my gosh. So (laughs) my family is very, very funny in that both of my parents are incredibly astonishingly extroverted so when we lived in (laughs) Michigan we would have friends from church and friends from like my parents social activities come by and you know come through like my parents met at the University of Michigan and we were living in Ann Arbor at the time so we would have like our god aunts and uncles just driving in from like Detroit to come visit and it would quickly turn from, like, a very casual, like, one-on-one catch-up to suddenly there are, like, 20 people in our house. There are, like, kids everywhere. My God, cousins are everywhere. So my mom would just turn to doing these really big kind of batch-style entertaining dishes. So Mm. there's one that's called Egg Dish. Um, That is an Mm. incredibly Midwestern kind of casserole or a breakfast casserole so it's just scrambled eggs with different types of cheeses we prefer like um sharp cheddar with a little bit of like mozzarella for some of those poles and then we would Mm -hmm. hit it hard with the salt pepper a little bit of garlic and then she would take either um torn up pieces of like stale croissants or stale bread and toss it in and mix mm-hmm. it in with cooked sausage um, and onions mm-hmm. and bell peppers. It would always be able to feed everyone. And then it would get to the point where, like, she would serve it for brunch in the morning. And then inevitably, when people were still at our house <laughs> come, like, <laughs> afternoon, <laughs> you know, people would go back to the fridge and would be eating it out of the dish in, the, in front of the fridge. So it always fit. You've said that you are one of those lucky people that knew immediately what you wanted to do. And in your case, it was to be a journalist and a cook. Can you just tell us more about what inspired you at the time to want to do both? The inspiration kind of happened at two different stages. So I was that <laughs> I was that kid in, uh, in high school who took, you know, some of the extracurriculars a little too seriously. So I was on my high school's newspaper, like the nerd that I am. And was just like, okay, this is it. I'm going to do it. And I remember seeing a New York Times piece that was this really beautiful, interactive, that was kind of just breaking down this horrible avalanche. Um, It was called Snowfall. And I thought that that was the coolest thing ever. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pursue journalism. And I'd had an English teacher that you know, in middle school was like, hey, you should take this seriously. You know, you kind of have a habit of like disregarding things that you really, really like. 
because you think you need mm. to do business or, you know, become a doctor or stuff like that. But you should just think about what brings you the most joy. Um, and yeah. after that, I was like, you know what? This is this is really it. So then fast forward a few years, I was working as an intern and then as a freelancer, as um, a print designer for the New York Times. And there I was like getting to, you know, do a rotation and fill in for like the arts and the lifestyle and the real estate sections. But one that I had so much fun with was the food section. Um, mm. And that was the moment where I was just like, oh, wait, yeah, this is another time where I'm, I've obviously been like... <laughs> disregarding something that's so right in front of me like cooking has always been so important my life has always been so informed by food and the conversations and the politics around it so why wouldn't I do this thing that makes me so happy I find so interesting and has also introduced me to so many people that are incredible so from there I never really looked back got an internship at Eater um they, you know, they put up with me for a while. Um, and, you know, I haven't looked back since. <laughs> that is so inspiring. And that was such good advice. I'm I'm so glad that someone noticed that in you, that you had that tendency to maybe not notice the things that you really, truly loved. Yeah. And it sounds like it stuck. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm super, super lucky. Like, there is no current Jesse. You know, there is no one recipe without the community that's had my back the whole time. Are there any other cooking moments from your career, um, you know, maybe from your time getting started working at Eater or Bon Appetit, like anything else that you would want to talk about before we dive into the one recipe? Oh, yeah. Oh, so there was one time where... <laughs> uh, <laughs> how, how much time do you have? Because I, I could go on for hours. <laughs> there was one time where it was the middle of summer, I was working at Bon Appetit. I was, you know, trying to just soak up as much of the New York summer as possible. And I literally, you know, sent a text to, you know, a group chat with some friends and was just like, okay, I'm going to make a, a dinner for like a park hang. I'm going to be in Prospect Park in a few hours. I'll see y'all there. Be there. Whoa. <laughs> you know, everything will be good. And it was just one of those moments where it was just like, well, I've been talking about wanting to see friends and wanting to make more of the summer. So why not just do it? Um, hmm. So I bought a rack of ribs and I had like rubbed the ribs and, you know, sauced them, threw them in the oven. I had made this minty limeade that has just the right amount of fizz, but is also still really cooling. So it's perfect for the summer. So I somehow managed to make a lid out of way too much plastic wrap and <laughs> rubber bands. Um, to the point where I was more afraid of accidentally making like one of those Mentos bottle rockets <laughs> as opposed oh, no. to just, you know, safely transporting a beverage responsibly. We ended up staying through golden hour until the sunset. And to this day, that was just, it's another one of those favorite, you know, New York memories and moments in New York where it's just like, yeah, I, I can do this. I, I, I feel like I can, I can fit into food media. I love that both this and the story of your mom with a steak is just about like, like not waiting and doing it. If you want to have this, this dream life where you eat well with people you care about, you just do it even if it's only like a couple hours away and it's kind of a rush. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I think that will be the soapbox. That will be the hill that I die on. Um, I am someone who is a chronic overthinker. So anytime that I catch myself, you know, weighing the options too much or just going back and forth forever, I just have to stop and say, okay, but what's going to bring me the most joy now? And what am I going to look back on Mm -hmm. and say, I'm so glad I did that. I think we all just spend a little too much time trying to do the thing that we think is what we're supposed to do instead of just doing the things that we really want to do. Mm -hmm. So many of us spend so much time debating and trying to do what we think is the right thing or what is the perfect thing when really we just need to be doing what is the thing that would bring us the most joy and make us the most excited about the moment we're in right now. And I think the one recipe is a perfect example of that. You know, in a lot of ways, I didn't consider myself the the perfect host for a podcast or something like that. Um, but I've had so much fun just diving into it with the team and talking to all of these amazing guests, of which you are one. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's just been fun. It's in so many ways, both a love letter to the recipes that sustain us and get us through everyday life and that are always there for us. But also what I'm hoping for subconsciously <laughs> is just a celebration of all the different ways that we have been able to feed ourselves, support ourselves, and just try the things that we didn't think we could do. You know, we have writers like Jaya Saxena, who writes for Eater, talking through her relationship with um, Julie Sani's Mazarpreneur recipe and talking through how impactful it was in her own development. And as she was getting confidence, not only as a cook, but just generally in herself, you know, I think I want this podcast to be something both fun and easily digestible. So definitely under 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. super chill listen, but also something that, you know, reminds everyday listeners, everyday people of which I am one, that we don't have to wait to cook that recipe. We don't have to wait to, you know, find joy in something we can say. This thing is my favorite and it's impactful and meaningful to me. It doesn't need to be a showstopper. It doesn't need to be the most amazing thing that anyone has ever seen before. Mm -hmm. The fact that we like it and are choosing it ourselves is more than enough. Hey, it's Kristen. If you're enjoying this chat with Jesse as much as I did, head over to the Genius Recipe Tapes and hit follow so you don't miss out on other stories like this one. And like our recent episode with Esther Choi, the host of Food 52's Hotline Offline podcast about family traditions, new and old, and the brilliance of caramelizing kimchi. In the second half of this episode, Jesse reveals his one recipe. Meet you back here for that. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. 
You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. That really speaks to me, and I'm, I'm sure speaks to all of your listeners, the fact that um, you know anyone who follows food media, we're all constantly consuming so many new recipes. Mm-hmm. And so the, the fact that every single one of these episodes is something that that guest returns to over and over, even like amidst a, a deluge of new ideas and new things to try, that those are kind of like the, the comfort recipes that we turn back to. Mm-hmm. Um, that is so powerful and so appealing as as a cook and as a listener. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And yeah, I it is super, super powerful, you know? I think we underplay just how important comfort is. You know, I think we oftentimes portray it as like, oh, it's it's bad to get too comfortable. But really, it's okay to remind ourselves that we're choosing our joy, we're choosing presence, and that we're choosing to just be content with where we are right now. That's cool to me. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, um, I don't know if it's a super safe and comfortable way of trying new things or kind of the other way around. But I mean, it's like we are getting to try new things that are other people's comforts, Absolutely. that are other people's go-tos, tried and true. So we're getting exposed to new things while also knowing that they are the kind of recipe that really sticks. Absolutely. And that is you know, worth making and making over and over. Yeah, you nailed it. It's 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 really that. <laughs> it's like the safe way to try a new thing. Like, we all have that friend that we turn to that's just like, okay, have you tried this thing? Like, is it actually good? Like, is it actually worth the money? Mm-hmm. You know, like, whether it's a new movie mm-hmm. or a skincare product, you know, we are always looking for someone that can kind of gut check whether a thing's actually mm-hmm. worth it. So I think the one recipe is that kind of safe space for us to say like, hey, here are recipes that are really worth it and they're safe bets for you to explore, to step out of your comfort zones. Well, you know, I have to ask you what your one recipe is, right? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I have to. Bon Appetit has a recipe for these brown butter toffee chocolate chip cookies. They are toasty and warming and so so comforting and I'll spike them with cardamom too just to amp up that Mm. comfort level I have a personal philosophy that I should not be showing up to other people's houses empty-handed this is very much a cultural Mm. thing so like whether people are inviting me over for you know drinks or a birthday party or a dinner party or something like that I'm always pulling up with a bottle of wine or you know Um, just like a few snacks or something easy that we can just nibble on. And I think that everyone should kind of have a back pocket recipe that they can turn to and bring as well. And I think these chocolate chip cookies are that, you know, it's so hard to find someone who doesn't like a toasty, warming, you know, bitter because of the dark chocolate, but sweet because of the toffee and a little bit crunchy too. cookie that's just going to please the entire crowd, regardless of who it is. If you know that you're going to meet up with someone in a couple hours, could you bust out these cookies with what you have? Oh, oh, absolutely. 
in a heartbeat. Like I'm at the point now where I keep logs. <laughs> I, I I just keep logs and logs of this dough in my freezer anytime people come over. Oh. Just because I can toss it into the oven real quick. They bake up in like 12 to 15 minutes. But also even if I'm cooking it from scratch or like baking them from scratch, it's such a simple and straightforward recipe that you really can do it with like 30 minutes heads up. And it makes your house smell amazing, which is always nice too. This is the ultimate endorsement of a recipe and (laughs) and of a situation too. We often find ourselves in or we hope to find ourselves in or we we want to find ourselves in that we have situations where we want to be generous to other people and what is something that will just really make other people happy and we know won't fail us along the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly that. It's, it's just, there's a level of ease that comes with just having a recipe that you know you can rely on and just whip out at any moment. I find it really, really, really impactful. What about you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was thinking about this a little bit, like actually today is my daughter's third birthday. Oh my gosh. And she, it's funny because, you know, when I'm asking her what she wants for her birthday, she doesn't have like a lot of things to draw on of her favorite foods that she also doesn't get to eat all the time. Like her favorite foods are the things she eats. Like she wanted for breakfast, yogurt and oats and fruit, which is what she eats every day. <laughs> um, so she wasn't totally like getting Honestly? <laughs> getting the concept of like, yeah, I mean, hey, great. She's going to have a great morning. Angel but, um, child. You know, Angel she child have asked, right here. Yes. She could have asked for pancakes or waffles or ice cream or something. And she just doesn't like have the, the full lexicon of all of the different like food words she can ask for yet Mm -hmm. um, that she also knows she likes. So I was trying to like help her along and like, what's a special dinner that you also are familiar with? And so, uh, you know, she eats pasta all the time, but I was like, do you, would you like for your special birthday dinner, would you like spaghetti and meatballs or macaroni and cheese? And she was like, macaroni and cheese. It's Melissa Clark's stovetop mac and cheese is another one recipe for me. And I think for me, a lot of one recipes are things that only take a few ingredients and are, you know, our pantry ingredients things that that you can remember and be like, oh, I know I can make that with just like a quick glance at the recipe um, without a lot of planning. And this one, yes. it's literally just heavy cream and cheese and pasta. You just reduce down some cream, you add in your grated cheese, and then you quickly add your, your cooked pasta. And you have to eat it immediately because <laughs> it's not like stabilized with flour, like yeah. a bechamel kind of sauce or anything. But it is so satisfying, so comforting it's a lot like box mac and cheese, but it's got more of the um, the cheese pull. Like it's oh. got more of the the stringiness of of melty cheese. So that's what we're making for dinner. So very timely, right? <laughs> a very timely ask about <laughs> another one recipe because it's okay to have more than one one recipe, it is right? That's totally that's another... okay. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. <laughs> okay. Life, okay, life is life is too short, and and have as many one <laughs> recipes as you can. Categorize them, alphabetize <laughs> them. order organize them chronologically um but no that sounds like such a beautiful recipe and i'm so excited for y'all to have that dinner and just be able to like see her eyes light up as you're doing the cheese pull you know (laughs) like little moments (laughs) like that are so they make it all worth it yeah it'll it'll be good um you start every episode with a completely unrelated fun fact about your guest their favorite books or hobbies or something else what would yours be 
Yes. <laughs> oh, great question. It's always so nice to be able to like ask the questions. And this second anyone asks you a question, you're just like, what is my name? Who am I? What is my social security number? (laughs) Just like, where am I? (laughs) Like deer in headlights. Um, I think mine is that I just really love um, home design. Like I am one of those people Mm. who follows like the cheap old homes accounts. I, I love seeing how other people are like decorating their homes and stuff i'll creep on zillow and just be like ah yes Mm. imagining my life living in an a-frame across the country (laughs) in a place that i would literally never move to i have them bookmarked i'm just like yeah if i if i do x y and z and if i you know move my money around i could buy this house i could do it i could do it (laughs) knowing i'm not going anywhere You know, I I have moved enough in my life. I have moved so much. So at this point, it's more just like so much fun to get into other people's minds about how they think about, mm. you know, building a life for themselves. And whether that's through a physical space or how we go about, you know, creating spaces for ourselves communally or socially. I, I just find that so much fun and so enriching. So that's what you do on your downtime when you're not thinking about recipes, not thinking about stories that you're editing. You go creep on Zillow. Absolutely. Okay. (laughs) Zillow, Instagram, Pinterest, you Mm -hmm. know, we're, I'm, I'm fully in it. We're invested (laughs) in every way except financially, (laughs) (laughs) you know, objectively the most important part. There, there's time for that. Yeah, yeah, there's plenty of time. He says while watching inflation rise. I'm just like, do I? Oh yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> Sorry. Too real. Too real. Too real. Too quick. Yeah. <laughs> just, just forget the last twenty seconds. It's good. Let's talk about cookies again. <laughs> yeah, cookies, cookies. Uh, fun fact that I learned from a realtor when I was really little: um, the way that they mm-hmm. entice people when buying homes is they'll bake a fresh batch of cookies in the home before they do the showings. That way, everyone immediately falls in love with the house or is more likely to like the house, um, regardless of whether or not it's, you know, the set of American Horror Story. So, you know, <laughs> now we've forgotten everything that happened oh before. <laughs> exactly. I mean, think about how how perfect those brown butter toffee chocolate chip cookies would be, even more so than just like, you know, the standard Toll House chocolate chip cookies. Just like, incredible for your you'd, you'd vaguely be a haunted home. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. They're, as everyone knows, ghosts love chocolate chip cookies enough to no longer haunt that place. Okay, how did we get here? I'm so sorry. You, you were trying to ask me very serious questions. I love no, there's a, there's a one recipe for every situation. Exactly. You Exorcism. Need to move a haunted house. Children's birthday yeah. parties. <laughs> I think so often so many of us think that cooking is something for someone else, right? We think that the beautiful dishes, the the Instagram-worthy uh, posts that we see every day are only things that other people can do, and they're not really for us. Um, but really, cooking is what we make of it. And at the end of the day, the one recipe is all about celebrating yourself and the cook that you are now and introducing yourself to the cook that you might become. You know, So it's not just about only cooking the recipes that you feel comfortable and confident in making right now. It's more about just saying, hey, I see where I want to go. I see the type of cooks that I want to be, you know, based off the people I follow on Instagram or the cookbooks that I'm like paging through. 
always feel free to just listen and give yourself the chance to just try it. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, that's what the one recipe is all about. Giving yourself a new experiment, a new test, a new a new source of comfort every week and riding with it. Thanks for listening. And my thanks to Jesse Sparks, host of the One Recipe podcast. This week's episode was put together by Amy Schuster, Harry Sultan, and Emily Hanhan. Do you have a favorite one recipe you turn to time and again, just like the guests on Jesse's show? I would love to hear about it at genius at food52.com or just tag me on Instagram at McGlorious. And if you like the Genius Recipe Tapes and the Food 52 Podcast Network, the very best thing that you can do to support us and to help other people find the show is to take a moment to leave us a five-star rating or review. Or send this episode to someone who you would invite to an epic Jesse-style summer dinner party in the park. Thanks so much. Talk to you next week.